Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Boy, what a weekend, what a weekend, a sports weekend we had. And we are glad to rehash it with you and to begin to look ahead to this coming weekend right here on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. You want to be part of the show, you can do so. Ceasefire text line 601 879 Four three nine five. At Ceasefire, they're always asking the big questions like, why wait for the next device to get the device you want? Other carriers make you sit tight until the next big devices come out, and then maybe they'll give you a deal on the iPhone that you want. You know it. Ceasefire knows it. And we all know that is bull. That's why they're bringing you the best deal on your choice of iPhone, not next week, not next month, but today, whether you're upgrading, adding a new line, or switching from another carrier, this is the deal you've been holding out for right now. Any iPhone that you want, $100 off at your local Seaspire store and online at cspire.com. 601-879-4395. Go ahead and get them locked and loaded. You know we're going to want your winners and losers from the weekend. We'll get to that to begin the 4 o'clock hour. Boys, how was it? How was it for you this weekend? Did you see Tom Brady go to New Orleans and take an L yesterday? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Who that? Who that? Who that say going to beat them Saints? A lot of people have Drew Brees plays like that for the rest of the season, though. Yeah, defense looked pretty darn good, though. Yeah, and that's the thing today, man. So you knew it was coming no matter what the outcome of yesterday's game was, right? It was going to be one game. And if Brady and the Bucks looked good yesterday, it was going to be, oh, he doesn't need Belichick. Oh, it's great. And if they lost, it was going to be, oh, he's a bum. He needs Belichick. He's old. He's terrible. All this stuff. And you've gotten that all day. It's as if he didn't play his first game with a new team against a really freaking good football team. I mean, he was bad, though. Well, I wouldn't say bad overall. He looked still healthy. Like, like people say, oh, he had a dead arm. No, the dead arm guy was on the other side of the field. He still got <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, that's Fair just enough. the reality of it. His arm was Wildly good. accurate. He's just got a pea shooter instead of a howitzer. Yeah. Uh, and the timing was off, too, yesterday as well. But ugh, uh, that wasn't pretty. But he still got some juice left in that arm. And it was there was no preseason. Hold on. Hold no. on a second. Hold on. Hey, Dad, tell him. Tell him there will be no complaining about a win. None. should be. Why, why are we complaining about? I'm it? not complaining about the, the win. I, I'm more talking I feel you're about the, uh, the the reaction to Brady. It was his first game in a new offense against a Super Bowl contender. Is there another team in the NFL? Probably Kansas City, but it may be like one A, one B, who you would trade the New Orleans front seven for. Hmm. So he goes in his first game with a new team 
on the road, even though there's no fans, and plays one of, if not the best front sevens in football, makes a couple of mistake throws, and suddenly now it's over and he's a bum? It's such a gross overreaction to reality. His arm looked good. Now he made a couple of mistakes. But if you honestly think that Bruce Arians in that offense and those weapons are not going to score a bunch of points on a bunch of people, even with the way he looked yesterday, you're fooling yourself. Yesterday only meant that Brady played against a Super Bowl contender. And Cam Jordan was just dominant also. That helped. But the overreaction to Brady's performance yesterday I think is ridiculous. Hey, Dad, I thought the weekend was glorious. Do you concur? It's still going on for me. I've got Chelsea on the uh, laptop over here. Yes, it was incredible. Just back to football, so much uh, of being normal again, working the remote, uh, yelling at the TV, I audibly cheering when, when Janoris Jenkins had that pick six. Been a while for stuff like that. Great upsets in college football. What was I not supposed to like? It was all good. I just I'm going to say this one thing, and then unless something pops up that absolutely demands our attention, I'm not addressing it again today. You may on the ceasefire text line. Maybe it comes up in winners and losers. That's fine, but but I'm not going to address it again. I know there are a lot of people that are frustrated with some of the displays that happened, be it in the NFL or college football over the weekend, in terms of quiet protest or social justice or whatever. I'm going to be honest with you. I told you on Thursday, I think it was, of last week, I got a plan for this. I'm going to join games in progress. And it's not so much because I'm offended or not offended. I just don't want to deal with it. NFL players, college players, they're going to do what they're going to do. You can. I'm not telling you how to feel about it, but I'm telling you from my perspective, I loved the fact that there was college football on television and on the radio from 11 a.m. until whenever it was that I fell asleep watching Coastal Carolina boat race Kansas on Saturday night. I loved that when we went to lunch after church yesterday, they were had the NFL pregame shows on, but I wasn't really paying attention to it because I was eating eggs and bacon and cheese grits and having a cup of coffee. And then when I got home and flipped on the television at 1245, all that stuff was in the rearview mirror, and I just watched football. And I loved slash hated. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but the ineptitude with which Mike McCarthy managed the fourth quarter of Sunday Night Football last night, made me want to punch the television, and I loved it. Because we haven't had that in so long. I just haven't been invested in the NBA. I kind of watched when it was on or not, but I haven't wanted to watch. And and haven't really. Kind of watched some Major League Baseball, tried to be invested in that. I've kept up with what the Yankees are doing, although they've been terrible until the last week. You know, for a month prior to that. But I haven't been as invested as I thought I was going to be in Major League Baseball. I was absolutely invested in the NFL yesterday. There were multiple reasons, but I was absolutely invested in the NFL yesterday, and it felt great. And I love the fact that we got two more of them tonight. We got Giants Steelers to start things off, then we got Titans Denver a little bit later. 
when this show ends, football is going to kick off, and it's going to be on until midnight or later tonight. And it's glorious. I don't care what your Lakers are doing. Hey, Dad, win it, lose it, and don't play another one. I don't care. I got well, football already, back. They already finished their series. So. Well, they got to play some more, I think. They don't have a ring or a, tie, a trophy yet. Yeah. Yet. Don't have, to, don't have to worry about it tonight, though. We have got so much to unpack this afternoon. How did college football feel to you this weekend? Some stadiums had some fans. Some stadiums had no fans. Iowa State had a band that spanned four sections of the stadium. Thought that made sense for them. Sometimes you had broadcasters on site. Sometimes you had them off site. How did college football feel to you this weekend? How would it feel to wake up as a Big 12 fan of a team not named Oklahoma or Texas <laughs> after this past weekend? Hey, I said on Twitter, and it's kind of a lame dad joke, but I'm proud of it. That was just the Big 12 announcing to us that they've opted out of the season. Mm. I'm glad the, they're playing. Yeah, that's what the play looked like, though. And surely it's going to get better. Louisiana Lafayette's pretty darn good. Yeah, that's the thing about that game. I mean, there are upsets that happen in college football where the better team lost. Like, that happens in all sports, right? Watching ULL or Louisiana in Iowa State, I don't think that was fluke. I think if they played played ten times, I bet ULL would, or Louisiana, would win four or five of them. I thought they matched up pretty well. They were the better team. They were the better team. I I said on Friday I, I picked them to cover. I thought it would be close. I didn't think they were just going to make them quit in the fourth quarter the way they did. But, man, yeah, that was that was a good win. Billy Napier, you know, maybe a little early winners and losers, but bet on himself by you know because he was the favorite for the MSU job. I think he would have, you know, if he had taken it, if he had said yes, he'd be here today in Starkville. But bet on himself, and now he's going to be in, in the catbird seat for a lot of jobs just depending on what happens at the end of this COVID-riddled season. And I don't know that he's got to make a move this year. He can I win, think man. he has built something in Lafayette that is Let going up. to last, and they are going to continue to be good. But he's na- now, not only does he have an 11-win season where they won all the games they were supposed to win and played well, he now has a signature win against a Power 5 team. Let Tom Herman lose four games again and see what happens. I mean, that's the kind of job um, he could be looking at. Arkansas State pulls one off after losing to Memphis last week. They, uh, they go to Manhattan, Kansas. And they say, hey, Memphis, maybe we're not the problem. Maybe it's you that's the problem, not us, in terms of having to cancel a game because of COVID. Memphis wanted to blame Arkansas State for that. At least one of their players did. Arkansas State went on the road at a Little Apple and got a dub. It's another Coastal guy Carolina. that, if this was a regular year, would be in line for a bunch of jobs. Yeah, it's Blake Anderson, yeah. Yes. And at some point, he's probably going to be ready to transition on. We got so much to get to, and it's going to be so much fun with <laughs> we you this need six afternoon. Hours. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm just getting started on this Monday. Two. Hey, Dad, this will be right up your alley. Right up your alley. Two controversial. Offensive pass interference calls 
that affect the outcome of football games yesterday in the National Football League. The one that everybody saw, everybody saw this one last night, Sunday Night Football, Dallas, clock winding down, deep shot, caught, a little bit of hand fighting, called a push-off. Jalen Ramsey sold the heck out of it. I mean, that was a pro's pro move in selling that call. And it cost Dallas a chance to send it to overtime at worst and maybe get a win in regulation at best. Of course, they did their own stepping on their own toes earlier in the fourth quarter with inexplicable decision-making for which there was no reasonable explanation for Mike McCarthy after the game either. That's the one that everybody saw. And then you had offensive pass interference with 12 seconds to go in the game between the L.A. Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow making his debut, marched his team down the field, chance to win it. First and goal from, what, the three-yard line? Throws a little comeback route to the front corner, perfect placement. Called a push-off, offensive pass interference. So... I don't necessarily have a huge problem with offensive pass interference when it's just blatant and obvious. But corners and receivers slap at each other and hand fight so much for the entire game and so much goes uncalled. And with good reason, because we don't want to see yellow flags the whole time. I just don't necessarily want to see a game determined by one that's gray area at best. Yeah, it's, And we got that twice yesterday. Right. And the Cowboys are now the most fascinating team in football because new head coach, same offense. So when is Mike McCarthy going to take over play-calling duties? Because either Kellen Moore does not at all believe in his quarterback, who looked good yesterday when given opportunities, by the way. But they need to open it up a little bit more. That offense has far more weapons than it shows. And yesterday was another example. It looked like the same Cowboys team that you saw last year. Weapons, conservative, not taking any risks, and I thought it was just a disbelief in the quarterback. I guess maybe that is, but that's way too conservative for what they have. Either way, dropping a flag right there I thought was inexcusable. Now, the Cowboys should have been tied in that moment because when it the fourth quarter just began, and it's 11 minutes three, to go in the game, Borky. Yeah. 11 minutes left in the game. And you're Down in three. chip shot range, and you go for it on fourth and three, then you kind of deserve to lose the game. And not only do you go for it on fourth and three, you run a route that's short of the sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Just mind-blowing. I thought those referees it, were clutch performers. You know, they throw the flag when it matters the most, when they're going to have the most eyeballs on them. That's smart. If it's a seventh-grade wide receiver playing his very first game, fine. And I understand what the play was designed to do. It was, you know, let CeeDee Lamb beat his guy, catch it in stride, turn it up the field, and he gets the first down. Problem is, those are professional players on the defensive side as well. And they're generally fast. He's with him step for step right there. Catches the ball, tackling, boom. Just dumb. All right, let's get back to college football for a few minutes. we got plenty of time to unpack the NFL later this afternoon. Coastal Carolina goes to Lawrence, Kansas. Les Miles was being all kinds of coy before the game about who his starting quarterback was going to be. Probably should have wondered a little bit more who 
his guys on the other side of the ball that were going to actually make plays work. 28 to nothing at one point. What was it, 28 3 at the half? Yes. Yeah, they and the it. final and that, and score that... doesn't begin, Haydad, to describe the beatdown that the no. Chanticleers dropped on the Jayhawks. Boy, Spencer Tillman could not say Chanticleers. He could not get that club there. He, he just kept saying Chanticleers the whole game. <laughs> Driving me insane. <laughs> like, Timmy B, say something to him, for God's sakes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they total domination. I mean, it was a 38-23, but like you said, it was 28-3 at the half, and that field goal came as the half expired. So it was 28 nothing with you know, one second left. Um, Kansas is not good. You know, that's not that's not exactly breaking news. Uh, no, but but, the, but yeah, this is they lost two years in a row to the to Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina has as many Big Twelve wins in the last uh, two years as as. Uh, Kansas does in like the last uh, five or something like that. Yeah. Some stat mm-hmm. I saw on Twitter. Some they crazy each have stat. Two. They each have two. Granted, Kansas can't play itself. If they could, they might win. But <laughs> yeah, they the Big Twelve, man. That was you, you know who and looks it, really smart today? Greg Sankey. Conference only games. That was yeah. the way to go in all this. <laughs> yeah, you lose like that in conference play. Nobody bats an eye. You lose that. That's, State three beats games LSU like to the Sun Belt. Yeah. State beats LSU two Saturdays from now. Everybody's like, oh, that's a, that's a big win for Mississippi State. But, you know, LSU, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, LSU loses to ULM. People are going to look around and go, what happened? Whoop. Yeah. So. Army's still impressive, by the way. 37-7 to this week. They cover again. 2-0. and Unbelievable rushing attack. Playoff for uh, Alabama. You think Jeff Munkins, uh, speaking of coaches that would be in line for other jobs, he's going to bring that finicky offense somewhere, wherever he goes, does that prevent him from getting a big job? Because I don't think it can be overstated let me, what he's let done me at say Army. That his name came up in the MSU search a couple of times, and there was some talk about that. And the, 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 the consensus was that he, was, he would be willing to tweak things hmm. and maybe even go to an, a different style of offense to get a bigger job. Yeah. So I don't know how that works because you know he sort of made his money and made his living as a triple option guy. But I think, I think ball coaches can coach ball. He's he's smart enough to know that you can't you can't do that at Mississippi State and hope to line up and beat Alabama, Auburn, LSU, places like that. So, no, probably go six and six or seven and five every year though. Yeah, maybe. Um, Texas Tech. Woo. I mean, so close. With, with, so with, close. With with all due respect to the Baptists and and the Baptists everywhere who cheer for the Baptists. Is it possible that a one-point win over Houston Baptist is actually a worse result than a 17-point loss to ULL? Oh, Richard, you're seldom short. It was a two-point win. Oh, sorry. A week after Houston Baptist got smoked by North Texas, by the way. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Houston Baptist threw for almost 600 yards in that game. Oh man! Well, got stopped on the one yard line like two or three times, something like that. Yeah, I mean, should have won the game. So what Threw gives five hundred plus yards? Oh my goodness! I know I've been screaming about underdogs in week one as your play, and that I mean that's shown itself really well. Like even uh, Syracuse, who did not cover, still had North Carolina on the ropes for three and a half quarters. It's happening everywhere. But what do you make of this? Because the ACC didn't have a day like this even though they were kind of limited. 
Why is it that the Big 12 stunk so bad? And spare me, though, because the league's not good. They're better than what they showed yesterday, and they're better than the Sun Belt, but the Sun Belt owned them. Why is that? You did have probably the Sun Belts. I mean, are they the two best teams in the Sun Belt? Playing Appalachian at, State would be the... Appala- App yeah. State, yeah. And App State would have won, beaten both of those teams. So they're, they're playing, you know, mid-tier Yeah, but App State struggled with... Charlotte. Charlotte. Will Healy's team. What do you mean? Yeah. Did something just happen in soccer that caused you to be angry? When you yes. react like that, and we're like in mid-sentence, and everything's going well, and then it's like... Don't pay attention what, what, to what me. What just offended you? Uh, Chelsea gave up a goal. It's, it's tied. Okay. Uh, Clemson beats Wake Forest 37-13. to Kind of sloppy on their first drive, give up a sack, and then they were just on like cruise control for the rest of the first half. Trevor Lawrence did not play much in the second half. That led to a backdoor cover if you're into that kind of thing for Wake Forest. Wake Forest played both its second and third string quarterbacks in the game, and I thought both of them actually moved their team pretty well, but... I mean, is there life after starters for the Clemson? I mean, is this the uh, the downturn of the Clemson program? Once their starters are gone, they're not going to be any good anymore? <laughs> Weren't they the number one recruiting class in the country last year or something like that? Yeah, I think they'll yes, be yes, yes. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is still pretty good. I don't know if that's uh, breaking news or I should play like mm-hmm. a sound or something. And they've got but... the next guy. I can't pronounce his last name. He's, he's got a Samoan last name. I, I can't get close to it. But that he's committed, and he's supposed to be the next guy. So, yeah, they'll be fine. The, the, the two guys that Clemson rolled out there post-Trevor Lawrence didn't exactly light the world on fire. Um, Notre Dame gets a 27-13 win over Duke. Duke missed a couple of cover. opportunities to get touchdowns early in the game, had to settle for field goals, and that's probably the difference in the ballgame. <laughs> Look at this guy. They scored! 2-1! Hey, come on, man. Come on. Hey, I'm a couple of other results. the show um, I'm watching these games. A couple of other uh, games that we'll get to coming up in just a moment. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad on a Monday. We'll be right back. If you live on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, be uh, certainly aware, hopefully you already are, of the potential for pretty rough stuff coming up with Sally. Um, so that there was an evacuation order for part of Hancock County this morning, I believe it was, particularly in low-lying areas. There were some uh, specific areas that were uh, outlined, but if you live you know, along, along the coastline or in a bayou area or other low-lying areas, some of those backwaters that come in um, to that part of the state of Mississippi, uh, there is uh, pretty serious stuff coming, it appears, and this isn't I don't know. Honestly, I've not studied Sally closely enough to be super-duper educated on it, but I keep hearing slow-moving, huge rain event. Flooding sounds like it may be the biggest issue, more so than uh, than wind damage. So flooding and, I guess, storm surge that goes along with that. So uh, heads up, and please know if you are in South Mississippi or really anywhere along the Gulf Coast that's in effect uh, or in the line, we... Um, we're thinking about you. We're praying for you. Expected to make landfall tomorrow morning. And that stretch between New Orleans and Mobile with the landmass in between is kind of the target area. Did you see that? That was a headline today. Sally expected to make landfall between New Orleans and Mobile. 
uh, there is a proper name for that place. Yep. Pretty significant population center, too. I mean, the, the Mississippi Gulf Coast has a ton of people, but, you know, it's just the space between New Orleans. Here's the New York Times. Hurricane Sally is expected to make landfall on Tuesday morning. Forecasters say it is likely to hit a stretch of the Gulf Coast from west of New Orleans to Alabama with a potentially lethal storm surge, powerful winds, and flash flooding. Better known as the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Yes. So some, some people call that Mississippi, but you do you. Uh... Did you watch any of Notre Dame and Duke? I did. I did. Yeah. I did. I did. Uh, Notre Dame looked good, but not great. I thought Duke looked good at times. Chase Bryce had some moments where yeah, I wanted to see what he looked like because I know that he was on State's radar uh, before Costello committed, and I thought he looked okay at times, but then there sometimes he didn't look good at all. And I don't think Notre Dame is a real threat for the college football playoff or anything, but they're a good team. Yeah, the response after the game was fascinating because people were like, oh, Notre Dame's got a clear path. Look, they got to win here, win here, win here, win here. And I was like, did you guys just watch them struggle with Duke for four quarters? Because David Cutcliffe's a good coach, and he's done a good job there, but that's Duke. And they were at home and really struggled. But who in the ACC are you wor- should Notre Dame be worried about? Well, they got Louisville on the schedule. Uh, of okay. course, they have Clemson. That's a good one. Do they play North Carolina? Yes, they do. Yeah. And Georgia Tech suddenly is a team that you should look out for. Juice points so, for everybody. Georgia Tech goes to Tallahassee. There is a lightning delay early in that game because, of course, there is. And Georgia Tech ultimately wins at 16-13. What, Florida State had the lead early in the game? Yeah, it was How ten nothing. Was I, I thought it was it's ten nothing. Yeah, and I thought I thought at that point, you know, okay, they're going to win, and uh, they didn't. They did not win. Um, they they Florida did not State, win. Florida State is a program right now that I'm starting to wonder: is it over? Can they can they ever get back to where they were? I don't know. Their offensive line is so bad, and it has been bad for like three or four years now. It's, this is a team that you know was recruiting in the top ten every year. How did they misevaluate so many guys? I don't know the answer to that. But right now, I look at Florida State and I'm thinking, are they like Nebraska? Are they like you know, this, they're never going to be good again? I don't know the answer. I'm not sure it's fair to do that to Mike Norvell yet. I mean, he's coached one yeah, game coming off the time, the most unique off season in maybe the history of college football. Certainly since. I don't know, World War II? Oh, yeah. And a strange so, game. They had a weather delay. They got off to a really good start, and then the lightning happened, and they had to go to the locker room. But tell me if I'm crazy. It looked like one of those teams was bought into their head coach, and one of them wasn't. I, I mean, and there's nothing to quantify that with. And that's why I hate talking in buy-in, ab- stuff like that, because I can't point to, well, the quarterback struggled because he had 10 overthrows. This is just like an, a subjective observation, but one team looked far more engaged and, and into the game I than the other. And Florida State had a couple of, if you want to call them scandals, directly tied to the management of their program with the head coach. The first one being that he straight up lied about talking to his players and got called out for it and had a threatened boycott and stuff because the coach lied. And then a couple weeks ago, it was players within the Florida State program are saying that they're being told to uh, not report symptoms of COVID and positive tests. And I don't know if that means anything or not, but it looked to me 
that one team was more into it than the other, and that was obviously Georgia Tech. And I wondered if that was connected to not being bought into their head coach after a couple of scandals, if you want to call them that. I just think that Florida State's not very good. They're not good up front, and if you can't block anybody, that's the end of the game. You know, you can't throw the ball. Blackman was under pressure a good bit. Even when he wasn't under pressure, he wasn't particularly good. They don't have a stud running back back there. Um, and then defensively, they're just okay. This is not the Florida State of even, yeah. you know, you think about Jameis Winston's, uh, what, 2014, they were in the college football playoff. They were, they were really good that year. And it's just a different team. It is. And I heard, uh, I think it was Greg McElroy talking about it this morning that, that there, there are culture issues and buy-in issues at Florida State that have been there since the end of Jimbo. And they, for for whatever reason, they kind of started then, and they continued through the last couple of years, and they seem to be continuing into the start of the Mike Nor- Norvell era. I think it would be unfair to Mike Norvell, though, to write off Florida State at this point. We know that's a place where you can win. We know that's right. a place where you can get players. And we know that Mike Norvell led Memphis to an access poll, to, to the Cotton Bowl last year before he parlayed it into a job. Memphis has been, if not the best, one of the best group of five programs for, what, three, four years now? And, yeah. and he did a he did a really good job continuing the progress and continuing the momentum that Justin Fuente created. So it wasn't like he started from scratch. He's kind of starting from scratch at Florida State. You remember last year how much we talked to uh, Borky, I think it was... Pro football focus rankings that you were looking at, and and Florida State's offensive line was like on paper and through their rankings about the ber- worst Power Five school in the country. It was, yeah. Their best, highest rated offensive lineman was in the four hundreds in the country. They yeah. had the other four of their offensive linemen were ranked in the five hundreds or worse in the country. As far as offensive line grade, it was that bad. They, they they had some sort of crazy stat about, I think it was like yards before contact, and they were dead last by like 600 yards. Like something like their running plays, only like five of them had gotten through the line of scrimmage without getting touched all season. So it was some ridiculous stat. I need to find it, I guess, but it, it, it made me shake my head, I remember. North Carolina beat Syracuse 31-6, to but they had to pull away late. They were impressive in the fourth quarter of that game. Sam Howell's numbers ended up being okay. Phil Longo's offense was, eh, okay for a while. And then it was pretty darn good in the fourth quarter. They got open. I mean, look, North Carolina a year ago, we were pretty impressed with them, and we were pretty impressed with Sam Howell by the end of the year. But you remember in the season opener? Mm-hmm. They lost to Appalachian State. Good program, good team. No, Appalachian no, State. Oh, they right. beat South Carolina in they the They beat opener. South Carolina. I'm sorry. They they did lose you guys give me a lot State, of grief though. about that. They did lose to them eventually. But App State was a good team. They were. Yeah, they absolutely were. I feel bad uh, for Tommy DeVito. That poor kid should not be playing quarterback in the ACC. I'm sure he works hard, and I'm sure he's a great kid. He doesn't need to be playing quarterback in the ACC. Just not capable. At Wait, who level. are you talking about? Syracuse's quarterback. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's missing a ton of guys around. He him. is. I mean, they had a that that 
Dino Babers in that program had they lost so many opt outs, but there was a clear difference in quarterback. I mean, oh no doubt. I mean, night and day. Like how different about, galaxy. How about the numbers that Spencer Rattler put up for Oklahoma? Oklahoma fifth ranked team in the country. They were hosting Missouri State. Debut for Bobby Petrino. Missouri State's only going to play three games this season. All of those things are true. I understand that. Spencer Rattler in his debut at Oklahoma was 14 of 17 with two drops for 290 yards and four touchdowns. He averaged 17 yards per completion, and that number came down late in the game. Early in the game, he was averaging like 28 yards of completion. And then Tanner Mordecai came into the game, the backup quarterback, who some thought initially had a chance to win the job, and he went 14 of 17 for 157 yards and a touchdown as well. I'll have to check my notes, but I think throwing more touchdown passes than incompletions is pretty good. Pretty darn good. Sources say. You know who's pretty darn good yesterday in the National Football League? Winning a game that nobody thought they were going to win? Gardner Minshew, Mississippi Mm. native, goes 19 of 20 passing yesterday. He was as close to perfect as you can be without actually being perfect in the passing department. We'll wrap up the first hour. Don't forget winners and losers coming up to start the 4 o'clock hour in just a couple of minutes. I'd hate to miss the train. Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys seen the story with regard to Joey Gatewood and his eligibility at Kentucky? No, but since he doesn't fit the transfer from one power program to the other power program uh, dynamic, I'm going to assume he's not going to get eligible. Well, Kentucky Sports Radio's Matt Jones, in addition to rivals Travis Graff, is reporting that Gatewood, who transferred from Auburn to Kentucky in December, has likely been cleared for immediate eligibility by the NCAA, But the matter is now residing with the Southeastern Conference and ultimately Greg Sankey. It's an interleague transfer deal. And there is reportedly, this is according to Graf at Rivals, a gentleman's agreement with Auburn that Gatewood will not play on September 26th as a way to show thanks for Auburn's cooperation with the waiver request. What? what? That's, wait, that's pretty poor. Wait, what? Yeah, we're on the same reaction. Like, that, that, you said what? That, allegedly, Auburn was helpful... With the waiver request process with the NCAA, and in return for Auburn being helpful, apparently there was a gentleman's agreement that Gatewood would not play against Auburn when Kentucky and Auburn met on September 26th. Um, I refuse okay. to believe that's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I don't like that. Because I will never, ever speak positively about Coach Stoops again. 
if that is the case. It just it just doesn't make sense. Like either you either not you about have Coach Stoops or about Gus for asking. I mean, I well, guess you can't blame no, Gus hey, for asking. I, I don't play the game I don't if you're get, Gus, man. I don't get like either you have a reason to be eligible for the transfer or you don't. And mm-hmm. Auburn, you know, doesn't really have any say in it. It's like I transferred because of this. All right, we think that's a good enough reason. You're eligible. That's not a good enough reason. You're not eligible. But the, for for them to say, oh, we played a role. What? Well, the NCAA does in the waiver process, correct me if I'm wrong, I I believe this is true, because there was headlines written about how Ole Miss was blocking Shea Patterson's eligibility, and they don't have the ability to do that. But they did object to him getting immediate eligibility. Two different things, although it was reported as one. Until until he recanted some of the negative stuff, right? I mean, didn't right, Ole Miss yes. ultimately sign off and say, yeah, we're fine with it? They did, after he changed but, but, what but, he was but asking. But chill out on all the Tom Mars crap. Right. It was basically... So they do, for some reason, get input from the other school in the in this case, which I think they shouldn't, but I also think you should be granted a one-time transfer no matter what. That Agreed. would be crazy if Kentucky decided to do that well, what happens if they decide to play him? I mean, are they going to go back oh. and declare him ineligible? You've got to be yeah. on the recruiting. Trail. Don't you know about the unwritten rules? <laughs> they can they can throw the next it. guy gets sport. beamed. You know, I mean, what what happens? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, if I were Kentucky, I'd just get him eligible and play him. And of course, this begs the question though: Is like, was he going to win the starting quarterback job? Of course not. So then, what, when was he going to play? Like late in the game? When if he got hurt? I mean, I guess, yeah. But I mean, I'll go tell you if Terry Wilson gets hurt and they don't go to the next best guy, well, then yeah, I'm, I'm with Borky. Stoops is just a moron. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think that Stoops is a moron. So I think that this is all a big load of uh, you know what horse hockey. And your best Colonel Potter voice, very good. I think that's uh, what you were uh, looking for there. Yeah. Monday night football doubleheader. Central Standard Time. 6.15 on ESPN. Pittsburgh and the New York football Giants. And that will be Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, Maria Taylor, I think, on the call. Followed by, which by the way, that's that's usually the game gets the marquee crew, but because of some travel stuff, Chris Fowler was already in New York for the U.S. Open. I think Maria Taylor lives there. They decided to put that crew on that game. And then you get the new Monday Night Football crew with Steve Levy and Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy doing Tennessee-Denver kickoff slated for 9-10. I love, for our benefit, the late start. I don't think there's going to... Is Denver allowing any fans? For some reason, I think no. Everybody but Jacksonville was no fans for week one. Okay. So, um, no fans in Denver. Everybody will be home watching it anyway. I just love that it's going to last until after midnight. Oh, yeah. That East Coast number is going to be rough, but apparently Drew Locke is loved by his teammates. Like, they actually believe in him as their franchise quarterback there. Well, and they got some dudes for him also. The offense is going to be better because it has been abysmal recently. Winners and losers coming up next.
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad on this busy Monday afternoon. But it is fun busy because we had a big football weekend with a bunch of college football. Not all of it, but a bunch of college football. Had a good friend who was having dinner with his uh, 85-ish year old mother on Saturday. And they were, she loves football, college football especially. And they were talking a little bit about it. It, Ain't it great that it's back? And she said, it sure is. I mean, it's just so nice to be able to turn on the television. But let's be honest. College football doesn't really start until September 26th when the SEC plays. That's right. And he said, I love you so much, Mother. (laughs) That's kind of true. I thought that was pretty good. That was uh, pretty good. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says, so here's the real deal. Best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Ceasefire.com. It is time right now for winners and losers. All I, all I, all I, all I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. And a winner never win. I'll give you a loser right out of the gate. Greg in Columbus says it's me. He says it's me. And he's right. He said saying it's standard time when it's not. I said Central Standard Time earlier. He said it's Central Daylight Time currently. He says, sorry, it irks me. Standard Time starts when we set clocks back. Yes, I have nothing better to do at this moment than to text you about such matters. (laughs) That is Greg in Columbus. Well, and it's CDT, Central Daylight Time. That's right. And then we go to, I guess technically we go to uh, DST. We go to Daylight Savings Time. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But EST is Eastern Standard Time. Ah, whatever. I'm sorry. I'm done. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. All right, boys. I'm going to get out of the way and let you start us off. Michael Borky, give me a winner. Pittsburgh. Not only are they 1-0 after a 55-0 dominating win over Austin P. they might be saving us from coronavirus. Breaking news here out of Pittsburgh. University of Pittsburgh scientists have isolated a biomolecule that, quote, completely and specifically neutralizes the virus that causes coronavirus. The School of Medicine researchers isolated the smallest biological molecule to date that neutralizes the virus. According to a report published Monday, The antibody component is 10 times smaller than a full-size antibody and has been used to create a drug known as AB8. Here's a quote. AB8 not only only has potential as therapy for COVID-19, but it could also be used to keep people from getting infections. That is uh, John Mellers, the MD chief of infectious diseases at the University of Pittsburgh. So the Panthers are killing it right now. Great! Saw so, uh, Pfizer, somebody from Pfizer earlier today said they were going to have a uh, COVID vaccine ready by the end of November. I, I'm sorry, end of October. I, I don't know if that's accurate or not. I just saw that Twitter told me. According to Pittsburgh, we may not even need it. 
May not even need it. Hey, Dad, give me a whoa, 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 winner. So I'm going to try this year to keep my winners Mississippians as best I can. There might be a well, time where I can't, but but I want to keep it local as best I can. So okay. uh, we're going to. I got two. I'm going to start in college. Keon Howard, uh, quarterback for Tulane, pride of Laurel, Mississippi. That was a good win for them on Saturday night. They were down uh, two t- or down uh, two scores to South Alabama. I thought South Alabama had control of the game, but no. So Howard leads his team on a. Big fourth quarter comeback, and they get to win 27-24 in Mobile. Really the only blemish on the Sun Belt's incredible day uh, Saturday uh, was, was that. Uh, so uh, we'll get with uh, Keon Howard as my, uh, one of my winners. Quick, somebody oh. tell the mayor that it happened. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I got one for you that's a little off, I, and I, I got to tell a backstory here. So you heard from... Tom Hart last week, he was with us on Tuesday, and we talked about the fact that he was doing the game, the uh, Iowa State-Louisiana game. And in his preparation as the week went along, he sent me a text message. And he said, um, quick, pronunciation for Nanawaya." Which, you know, gets pronounced all different kinds of ways. So I was like, oh, good for him doing his homework. He's like, and uh, anything. So I gave him that, and I was like, hey, I got a list of famous people for you. Because, you know, we've talked through the years about all the folks that have come from Winston County. And then I decided that I was going to do better, and I text um, Bart Gregory, who is from Nanawaya made sure that I had the proper pronunciation, gave me a list of people that had been there, and then issued a challenge to my friend Tom. He said, 20 bucks if he mentions Warrior One Stop. So I passed that along to Tom. And I said, sent Bart a message, I said, that's going to cost you 20 bucks because that's right up his alley. Didn't think anything else about it. And then I get a message from Tom at about 12.30 or 1 on Saturday afternoon while the game is going on. says, your buddy owes me 20. <laughs> so I sent Bart a message, and he said, darn if he do- if I don't. Absolutely. It was great. So if you saw the clip, Chris Smith, who is from Louisville and is a graduate of Nanawaya, had the, uh, the kickoff return for a touchdown. And they're replaying it. Mike Golick Sr. was talking about it and whatever. And Tom drops in. Chris Smith running like he's headed for the chicken dumpling special at Warrior One Stop. (laughs) To which, on Facebook, Warrior One Stop said, with a video clip, in honor of Chris Smith, graduate of Nanawaya, who is playing for the Raging Cajuns, we will be having chicken dumplings on the Sunday lunch buffet. Nice. Well, I wish I had How seen that. that. I might have gone down there. Goodness. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Go. That's really good. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Any Borky? You had a or, uh, hey, Dad? You said you had another winner. Yeah, we'll go to the go to the NFL. Jonathan Abram, uh, Mississippi State star, Jones County. Uh, is it Jones County Community College? I don't know what to call them. Jones and of College. Course, yeah, uh, from down there in South Mississippi. 
back after a, a, an injury last year that cost him most of his season, 13 tackles, and he lit Christian McCaffrey up with a uh, hit that you would have been able to hear over a sellout crowd. I'm surprised McCaffrey got up from it. Uh, he's a difference maker on defense, and so the Raiders are a lot better off with him than without him. Glad to see him back on the field. Porky? Mississippi native Demario Davis. Now, he's already one of the better yeah. linebackers in the NFL, but he signed a three-year, $27 million deal to stay in New Orleans. That's a win for the Saints because I still think he's a bargain, but he's one of those guys that people talk about, right? Really under-recruited out of high school, late bloomer, went to Arkansas State. Now, uh, he's locked up in New Orleans for a long time. Played well yesterday in their win over Tampa, so good for him, uh, Mississippi native Brandon uh, Demario Davis. Very, very good. Uh, we went through a bunch of things that uh, that happened in college football. Spencer Rattler's got to be on the uh, the list. Makes his debut, and he makes his debut with a ton of pressure because he was the most highly recruited quarterback in America, and two of the previous three quarterbacks at Oklahoma, who did not spend a long time in the system, won Heisman trophies. Baker Mayfield did, and then Kyler Murray did, and then Jalen Hurts got to go to New York last year as a Heisman Trophy finalist as well and put up great numbers. And all those guys are now in the NFL. And so the pressure was reasonable. Now, I know it was against Missouri State, and they're terrible. I I get that. But he just goes out and completes 14 of 17 for almost 300 yards and four touchdowns with no interceptions in his Oklahoma debut. That's pretty darn good. That's pretty darn good right out of the gate. Plenty of quarterbacks play bad teams and don't have days like that. So. That's that, that's a great point. Great point. Look, I, I mentioned Chris Smith in particular, but Louisiana, I almost called him Lafayette. I'm just I'm trying to be respectful. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They're a good football team. They won eleven games a year ago. Yeah. And I'm gonna tell you who deserves to be on the winners list is Billy Napier. Yeah. Hey hey dad used the phrase earlier, bet on himself. I, I couldn't help but think, and this is not a slight at all. Mike Leach is great. I think it's going to be fun. But if Billy Napier continues to roll at Louisiana and ends up with a big, big, big job, like a big job somewhere, if he ends up the head coach at Alabama, he's got ties to Alabama, yeah. you know, a few years down the line, and over the next 15, 20 years, it really progresses, there may be some, hmm, Wonder what might have been. I think it worked out for Mississippi State as well as it could work out in in landing Mike Leach. We'll see what it looks like on the football field. But Billy Napier, whoo, huge resume building win. We'll get to your winners and losers on the ceasefire text line coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi, good to be with you this afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Thanks for being with us on this Monday. Let's go to the C Spire text line for your winners and losers. Uh, Greg and Nettleton, winners. My goodness, did you see the size of the offensive line at Notre Dame? Great athletes to move NFL scouts are drooling already. That's a special group right there, guys. How would you like to bang with that punch for a whole game? They were in shape. Winners are those monsters. Very impressed. Okay. Uh, winner. 
Aaron Donald for being a certified Mack truck last night. Dude. <laughs> saw Mike Goley Jr. put on Twitter after the game. He said, just going to go out on a limb here and say he's on his way to his third Defensive Player of the Year award. I saw an interesting uh, thing today that basically, you know, the gap, Fletcher Cox, probably a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? And by the metrics, he's the second best defensive tackle in the league. The gap between Donald and Fletcher Cox is the same as Cox to the 15th rated defensive tackle in the league. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I mean, Donald is just a monster. And the way he punishes double teams, it's, it's unlike anything we've probably ever seen on the defensive line with what he's able to do. He's kind of worth yeah. that big contract, it appears. Yeah. Yeah, just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Julian Tupelo, Braves no-hitter yesterday. Braves threw a no-hitter? I thought it was the Cubs. The Cubs threw a no-hitter. That's what I thought. Yeah. That was a good maybe story, Julie, Maybe Julie watched a different set of Braves who threw a no-hitter yesterday. The, uh, it was a good story, though. The guy who threw the no-hitter, that was his first complete game since A-ball. Beautiful. Uh, here's a loser. Players who are opting out after going to practice for the past three weeks and seeing that they won't start. Ooh. Okay. Uh, here's one that says, that guy must be smoking mint juleps. Notre Dame is overrated as usual. Winner. Smoking mint juleps, huh? Not drinking them, but smoking them. Winner. Dominic Theme. What a comeback. Down two sets, came back to win the U.S. Open. Do you watch any of it? No, I'm in the middle of football. There are a lot of people flipping back and forth. Fifth break, tie, uh, fifth set tie break. Pretty, uh, pretty cool. I did not watch one volley. If I'm being honest, nah, I didn't. I saw the highlights last night. Um, let's see here. John in Oxford says driving, so I couldn't see the video. It was Haydad dancing like Shane Falco during that last bump music? No, no, I was not. Sure you were. Don't lie. I was. I didn't dance during the... I was not. I would tell you if I was. I still think that's what the Washington football team should go with. You've got a uniform. The dancing Shane Falcos? Yeah, you've got a uniform, you've got a color scheme, and you've got a story. Yeah, go go with the Sentinels. Bowen Puckett with a pretty solid winner here. Hard to disagree with this. He says Aaron Rodgers, statement game, validating he's still a bad man. He said, if you're going to play Jordan Love, you got to trade me. Which, hey, good for him. Honestly, if they're not going to draft around him, if they're going to do what they did, Drew Brees is going to retire soon. Aaron Rodgers goes 32 of 44 yesterday, 364 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, was not sacked in the game. QBR of 93, passer rating of 127 and a half. That is really, really good stuff from Aaron Rodgers yesterday. His vision's unbelievable, too. The windows that he's able to fit passes through and the way he sees plays develop, it's just that's the kind of stuff that you could work for 18 hours a day. No matter how raw talented you are at quarterback, and not see the game the way he sees it, it's it, it's a mystery why he hasn't won more than one Super Bowl. Just a mystery with how talented he is. 
Another winner on the C Spire text line. Don't forget about Gardner Minshew, GM2. Gardner Minshew the second yesterday, 19 of 20 for 173 yards and three touchdowns in the ball game, and he looks like he is having the time of his life. I mean, well, we've heard it right already for Jacksonville. Tank for Trevor. Tank for Trevor. Gardner Minshew says, you guys gave me this starting job. You, you did it begrudgingly a year ago, only by injury, and then I pulled off some pretty miraculous comebacks. And then you thought about bringing some other people in, and guess what? I'm here, and you're going to take this starting quarterback job from my cold, dead hands. And who knows? And you yes. You could end up with a huge bargaining chip there. You could end up, you know, hey, we like Gardner Minshew. We want to move forward, but we've still got the number one pick. So what do we do yeah, with man. that? Who, what, what pieces can we add through trade? So. I feel like they've already gotten more wins than the Jets will have this year, so I don't know. Gardner Minshew also, um, I don't know if he had it in his football uniform. V- Vanilla Crown Royal, was there a fifth of that like tucked into the waistband of his belt on his uniform yesterday? What? Have you not, have you not read that story about Gardner Minshew at Washington State where he showed up at the party oh. with like a fifth yeah. of vanilla-flavored Crown Royal? We need to work what on his it? alcohol choices, but other than that, he's been fun. Wasn't can it afford better now? If you sent, if you sent, if you tweeted a screenshot of you took Gardner Minshew with your first pick in the uh, fantasy football draft, they would send you a case of Bud Light or something. Hmm. I mean, yeah, nobody will ever be Snake Stabler again. But I appreciate Gardner Minshew giving it a try. I feel like he's giving he, it a go. He, he can give it. He can give it a go. He can make a All run right, for the l- money. A little bit of an outside the box. Winner right here. A sports agent. Uh, this is from John and Hurley. He says, what about Moss Point native Demarius Bilbo getting Alvin Kamara's contract done? Bilbo is killing it as an agent. I- I'm not sure if he-, if he is or not. I know that at one time, uh, Clutch Sports, which is the mega agency that represents LeBron, was going to set up an NFL division and put him in charge of it. I don't know if that that ever came to fruition or not. But, yeah, I mean, that, he guy was a great quarterback at Moss Point back in the day. and went to Notre Dame, I believe. And then, uh, yeah, has been a big-time agent representing NFL players ever since. Hmm. Great success story for the uh, from the state of Mississippi. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, let's see. Russ... He is a winner for going 31 of 35 with all four incompletions. DK Metcalf targets? Yeah, DK had a drop, too, a pretty bad one. Made it up uh, later on with the long touchdown pass. You, you could see that coming from that three cone. <laughs> Let's see the final numbers for DK Metcalf yesterday. Where are they? Receiving. Four catches, 95 yards, and a touchdown. He was targeted eight times. The Falcons, PFT commenter earlier today said it exactly right. The Falcons are the best bad team in sports. Matt Ryan was 37 of 54 for 450 yards and two touchdowns. Julio Jones had nine catches for 157. Calvin Ridley had nine for 130. Russell Gage had nine for 114. He hit his tight end Hayden Hurst three times for 38 yards. Big time numbers. N and L. It's 14 to 12 at the half. At the half, Seattle outscored the Falcons 14 to zip in the third. 
You hate to Atlanta outscored them thirteen to ten yesterday uh, in the fourth quarter, but uh, it was Seattle winning thirty-eight twenty-five. What are you not seeing? I, I said I hate to see these kind of things. You know? Yeah, I know you do. I know you do. We get another message about Warrior One Stop. It says I live in Nanawaya. Warrior One Stop, real deal for the Sunday buffet. I saw the picture of their buffet on their Facebook page. Holy cow! Hey, Dad, how far are you from Nanawaya? Uh, I mean, it says Louisville is what it says for the address, so I can't be okay. too far. Let's Half an hour. Look. Yeah, I mean, less than that. Like, you could theoretically go at, like, leave your house at 1045. Oh, look at this buffet. Look at this. Have your plate ready to go at 1115. Be out of there by 1145 and home yes. for kickoff at 1215 on oh, Sunday. Yeah. This, this, my, Look at this buffet. Pot roast, fried chicken, chicken spaghetti. Oh. And chicken dumplings this past Sunday. Oh, man. Don't you forget that, Chris Smith. Man, you might be seeing me at the Warrior One Stop soon. Is that bull? Not a winner or loser, but somebody does ask on the C Spire text line. You think Herbie will cry tonight? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Well played. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We will be right back. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, Monday afternoon. The Big Ten had meetings all weekend long. They talked to a bunch of medical people. It appears as if they are going to vote again. It appears as if the vote is going to pass. It appears as if they are going to start playing football, I don't know, maybe October 17th, possibly October 24th. And it appears as if all 14 teams are actually going to play. I don't I don't guess we need that uh, that pit cure, uh, Michael. Evidently, the Big Ten knows that whatever whatever the problem was four weeks ago, it's it's taken care of now. It's all gone. Great that, job by the Big Ten. Uh, that's the thing here is it's going to be spun uh, by some national media who spent the last six seven weeks or so really talking down to people in SEC country and. Um, Somehow, some way, they have determined that an infectious disease specialist from Duke, who's from Melbourne, Australia, is politically driven, that he's saving football season because he loves Trump, even though he's Australian and an infectious disease specialist. The tone that those people have taken when it comes to this Big Ten revote is quite funny to me. It is very different than the tone they took when discussing the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12's decision to play. It's almost like a bunch of miserable Northwestern grads don't want their alma mater to look bad. Or Can, it, can we just be honest and say that the Big Ten, where football is allegedly of massive importance, certainly is at some places in the Big Ten, realize that they look like a bunch of big dummies? For banging the football season when everywhere you look there's football on your old television? I think Barrett Salee nailed it this morning when he said the Big Ten thought that they were more influential than they are. And so when they made their decision, they just thought everybody else was going to fall in line. And when they made their decision, 
they had no backup plan, no thought, no anything about what happens if everybody else plays. That didn't even cross their mind. They just thought that, oh, we are we're the Big Ten Conference. And when we make a decision, yeah. everybody's going to follow. And when they didn't, they panicked. Because they're going to spin it as science and uh, things have changed. And these national people are going to write those headlines and write the columns about the landscape changed and the Big Ten decided it was safe now and all that stuff. And it's all going to be a lie. Nothing is different now than it was when they made their decision. Nothing is different except for embarrassment. And they probably realized that, hey, we can't lose $100 million and still keep all of our kids on scholarship. But probably so. That's the, that's the only reason why this is happening, is because yeah. they expected everybody to fall in line, and when they didn't, they're panicking. They're going to spin it as science, and the Athletic is going to spin it as science, and Yahoo's going to spin it as science. Nothing has changed. And all of those columns about how the Big Ten parents don't... They're bad parents, and the SEC is being reckless. All that crap that was written, they're all going to look so stupid because nothing at all has changed. That's 100% correct. Nothing changed. Nothing is different than when they made their announcement. They weren't smart about just waiting it out like the SEC was. And you're right, they, 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 they really did think that we're the Big Ten, we're, we run this show, and when we say we're canceling everybody else and their buddies the Pac-12, we're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that too. And then everybody else was smart enough to say, "Ah, eh, we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. We're not we're not just willing to say no to the billion dollars we're going to make this year." So yeah, they'll come out tomorrow and, whenever and they I make love... this. Go ahead, hey Dad. They'll come out tomorrow whenever they. Well, you know the recent developments and quicker testing—it's all a bunch of crap. That it's not faster it's testing. We know more now about yeah, myocarditis. <laughs> No, you no. had doctors trying to tell you then that you were wrong and you refused to listen. Oh, but oh, 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 but we, we got to discredit that doctor, though, because he's a conservative. <gasps> oh, no. You know, it's, 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 honest, it's if we're being honest, I mean, I want the Big Ten to come back and play. Yes. Because it's going to be more football and it's going to be yeah. more football from good teams or some good teams, not all, but some. And, I mean, like, if you want me to, like, completely pull the curtain back and tell you why I'm being a little selfish, that will be more football games on television on ESPN that will require announcers, which means there will be fewer announcers available to broadcast basketball games when basketball season starts and basketball and football is happening at the same time. So, yes, (laughs) from that perspective... I absolutely want Big Ten football back. But from a different perspective, there's part of me that wants to be like, you know what? We're going to be all right without you. You guys just sit back and watch this year. I don't wish that on Big Ten fans, and I don't wish that on the programs who have fought from the day this decision was handed down for what they believe was an injustice against the game and was ridiculous and was politically driven. This was politically driven. And now even this schmuck that's the president at at Michigan, Schlissel, apparently he's even going to vote for the change. I mean, the, the only political play that's left in the state of Michigan is for Whitmer to, like, completely shut it down. 
which I'm not 100% sure that she's got the power to do. And she can make it where they have no fans. But again, it's hard to look around. It's like, okay, Michigan high school football is playing. The Detroit Lions are playing, kind of. They're playing high school football in Ohio. That should be Cincinnati's playing. Today. Cleveland's playing. Say what? That should have been one of the losers, Detroit, how they, they finished mm. up that game yesterday. Oh, DeAndre Swift. Catch the foosball, guys. Mm. So the Big Ten presidents and chancellors did not vote yesterday on whether to start the fall football season after hearing updated medical information and other presentations on a potential return to play. Allegedly, there were a ton of medical presentations on Saturday, and then yesterday's meeting was more holistic. It was not just about, okay, here's the medical information. It was, here's the medical information. Here is the return to play plan, stadium capacities, television, revenue lost versus revenue gained, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So all of those things were in play yesterday. Sunday marked the second major meeting this weekend between the Big Ten's return to competition task force and university presidents and chancellors. Saturday's meeting was smaller and included only eight of the presidents. Yesterday's video conference was an opportunity for all three of the task force subcommittees, medical, TV, and football scheduling, to present their plans to all 14 presidents and chancellors. Detroit Free Press was the first to say that yesterday's meeting was not going to end in a vote. The Ohio State team lead physician, Dr. Jim Borchers, and Penn State AD Sandy Barber chair the medical subcommittee. They outlined plans that not only included new testing possibilities, but also the latest information about myocarditis. Information that has changed dramatically, apparently, in the course of a month. Not if you listen to doctors. Sunday was broadened beyond the medical component to include uh, include specific facts about how and when they could start the season, possible dates, medical thresholds each team must meet in order to return. Potential start date of October 17th is one that is being discussed. Justin, time to make the college football playoff. Just in time for Ohio State to make the college football playoff. Just in time for Ohio State to make the college football playoff and lose by three touchdowns. They did have an opt-out today. It's true, a big one. Big one, Sean Wade. And wasn't his dad like one of the leaders of the protest movement among the parents? Yeah, the kid did take to Twitter to say, my dad wasn't protesting for me, he was protesting for all of us. I thought that was kind of cool. That's true. I agree with that. So we are all in agreement that ultimately we do want the Big Ten, right? I do, because I think these kids need to be able to play college football, especially when it's not much of a danger to them whatsoever. I mean, football is more dangerous to college football players than this virus has been, uh, so says statistics. But I hope national media takes the same aggressive tone towards the Big Ten calling them reckless and irresponsible and stubborn. But I won't hold my breath on that. Mm. We only care about Trump and football around here. We don't listen to medical people at all. Only the Big Ten does that.
back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Got something cool to tell you about that's happening in Clinton, Mississippi. When we continue, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Great to be with you on this Monday afternoon and glad to have back on the program. It's been a couple of years, but uh, the mayor of Clinton, Mississippi, Phil Fisher, joins us uh, right now from his office. Great-looking office uh, right there in the heart of Clinton, Mississippi, where there is always some cool stuff going on. Mr. Mayor, how are you today? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Think things are good. Uh, I guess the last time we talked was uh, when we had the softball national championship tournament going on uh, a couple of years ago. I know this has been a challenging time for everybody, but it feels like things are kind of moving in the right direction. Is that how you guys feel in, in Clinton right now? Absolutely. I mean, we never slowed up. Uh, our economic development director has been out there beating the bushes. We've been, uh, you know, obeying the rules of of social distancing and proper wearing of masks and those sorts of things. Uh, our COVID numbers have stayed below 1%, well, below half a percent of the, uh, of our population numbers. Uh, so we feel like we've done real well with this, and our tax revenue is still coming in above last year. So well, that's, things are that's going fantastic. well yeah, no doubt. One of the things that's always impressed me so much about Clinton under your leadership is that as a community, you guys have been willing to kind of take some chances on some different things, whether it's it's soccer or a national championship tournament. And now you've got this incredible new facility, the Arrowhead Archery Range, which is open to the public and is pretty unique. Tell us a little bit more about this new facility that's available to uh, to folks from all over. I mean, this is going to be great. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. This is an opportunity for everybody to compete, uh, regardless of your size, regardless of your weight, regardless of your strength level, uh, male, female. I mean, everybody can compete against everybody else because uh, it it has nothing to do with size and speed. It just has to do with hand-eye coordination and accuracy. And I think that's an excellent opportunity. Uh, We we uh, joined with the uh, uh, Mississippi College, Clinton Christian Academy and our public schools to develop this range uh, in an effort to help our teams, also to help our bow hunters to prepare. But you know, there's also an advantage there of just having a date night, going out with your uh, spouse and uh, uh, or your or a date, and just you know ha- having some archery time. So uh, we really look forward to this being a great addition to our city, and we believe that a lot of people are going to enjoy this and are going to come out and come to our town because so this is a real big deal for us uh, all right so are you an archery man yourself i am not uh matter of fact the last time i shot a bow and arrow i think the arrow had a, a rubber stopper on the end of it <laughs> so, uh, you know i uh, i haven't i have not but uh, when i've seen the enthusiasm of, of talking with people uh when we were dealing with the uh state fisheries uh, the personnel there, Waldo there, uh, Jim Turcott at Mississippi College, uh, and they started explaining to me the potential of this and how the lack of facilities were causing an issue. Uh, we had a so we, we we had an area that would fit just perfectly into it, and I thought, well, let's just do it and see what happens. And uh, it, it's amazing the amount of interest it's drawing and the and the number of people that are joining. You can join a membership at seventy five dollars a year to help replace the targets. 
and those sorts of things. And we've added a, a 3D range, which would be for tournament play, uh, which is in the woods beside the uh, archery range. So that you go out and, and you shoot uh, uh, various animal targets uh, for points. So uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun, too, for the uh, com competitors when they come to town and when they, uh, you know, have their meets. Mr. Mayor, you mentioned a second ago economic development, and, and I know everything you do, it's about making Clinton better for its citizens, but also attracting people. Is this something that you anticipate, especially in central Mississippi, is going to kind of draw people from all over? Because we know how uh, enthusiastic uh, so many Mississippians are about outdoors in general and, and archery, bow hunting in particular. I believe it will. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've said before, I'm not always – so pure and hard. I mean, everything I do has a cash register at the end of it. So, <laughs> but the idea is that we draw sales tax the dollars into the people also. Hey, well, you know, it is what it is. But I wanted to uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, we had a good facility there that people could come and enjoy. And then hopefully while they're here, uh, we've got a lot of history here to look at. Uh, we've been developing over the years uh, some 22 historic markers. Uh, we're developing a civil rights trail. And we're also developing a, uh, a blues trail. Uh, we've done a lot of renovations in our park. So there's a lot of activities to go on here and a lot of things that people can do. And hopefully the archery range will bring them in and then they'll stay for the rest of the day. Yeah, certainly so. Well, everything that we've seen that uh, you've done in the last, oh, I don't know, decade or so has been nothing but first class. Know that this is going to be a first class facility as well. If you want more information, you can go to the website, clintonms.org. There's a big announcement there about the Arrowhead Archery Range Grand Opening, or visit that website, arrowheadarcherierange.com. Mr. Mayor, always good to see you, and uh, maybe it's time to uh, pick up a new hobby. We'll put you on the, the business end of that boat. Well, I'm, I'm looking at it. I really am. I think it's going to be a fun activity. I tell you what, I'll invite you out. The first tournament we have, why don't you host your show out here and you can uh, uh, let people see and, and talk about the archery and, and interview the archers themselves. Certainly look forward to that. Mayor Fisher, great to see you. We'll talk to you soon. Good. Thank you. Take, take it easy. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will be right back. seen the uh, the little TikTok video floating around? I don't think this was like a uh, highly licensed and regulated uh, tree service. Just a couple of dudes in the middle of the neighborhood with a big old pine tree that needed to come down. One man on the cha chainsaw end, and they had a rope attached to the tree with one guy standing there. I guess he was just going to guide it down with the rope. Ended up on the roof of a house. <laughs> I'd love to play the clip on the radio, but um, language. I don't know if there are enough earmuffs in North Mississippi to <laughs> distribute the reaction. Hey, Dad, you would, I can see you. Hey, let's just go ahead and cut it down. Hey, grab that rope. Pull it over this way. We'll cut it. <laughs> and then, whoop, boom. I'm sorry. Maybe you need to watch the video yourself. I think you will laugh. think you will laugh. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Good to have you along on this Monday afternoon. First, 
kind of big weekend of college football in the books. We had a little bit last weekend, a little bit more this weekend. Next weekend will be about like this past weekend was, and then Katie bar the door the following weekend. That's when you get the SEC going. You'll have the Big 12. You'll have the ACC. You'll have the full slate of games in the NFL and the Sun Belt. And boy, do you not probably want to play a Sun Belt team right about now. At least not Louisiana Lafayette. South Alabama, not Sunbelt, Conference USA, gave Tulane all they wanted on Saturday night, and South Alabama just could not hold on at the end. Borky, did you watch some of that one? Uh, just a little bit. I was having a hard time keeping up with everything going on at the same time. But, yeah, the new stadium looks great down there, too. Really looks nice. Um, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but... I might give Tulane a vote, certainly top five, maybe the best-looking road uniforms in all of college football. They've done, am I crazy? They've done the whole right. uni game right down there. Between hey, Dad, did UAB. you watch much of that one? Tulane? Yeah. Yeah, I watched most of it, yeah. Did you love their uniforms? They're great. Love, love the, 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 big, uh, the big wave helmet. Like I said, them and UAB, to me, are the, are the top two helmets in the game right now. Logo might be a little big on the helmet for my liking, but I, I get where you're going. It was the white helmet, the white jerseys, the white pants, and they've done just the right mix on the green and like kind of the light blue. It's not yeah, – yeah. I guess powder blue would be the way to describe it. It's just a fantastic look. They and, have a specific name for that blue. I don't know what it is, though. It's not powder blue, I don't think. Okay. Well – Everybody's got to have their own shade of blue these days. Of course, of course. Because there's Carolina blue, and there's powder blue, and there's sky blue, and it's there's sky Italy blue. blue it's which sky is... blue and, and olive. Sky blue and olive. You, have you guys seen the um, the little... Uh, I only saw it a few weeks ago, but uh, oldest player in the, uh, the Italy blue jersey? Did you see that, Borky? I've seen some photoshops, nothing uh, concrete, though. I was thinking there was one that was out there a couple of weeks ago with defensive player that had one on. Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm crazy. You want to be part of the show, you can do so on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. That's the best way for you to get in touch with us, and we would love to hear from you. Greg thought I was taking a shot at him earlier. I was just reading another text that disagreed with his text. Uh, not taking a shot, Greg, so uh, you know, just have fun. I, I told Greg, this is the best time of the year because now we can disagree about something that actually happens on the football field. Greg was lauding the Notre Dame offensive line, and another texter called in and said, what was that guy watching? Said he was smoking mint juleps because Notre Dame was overrated and they were going to be trash. That's what we're here for. Disagreements, <laughs> arguments about football. And speaking of a different earlier conversation, a uh, publication called Land Grant Holy Land, they cover Ohio State, hmm. said, Dear Big Ten Presidents and Chancellors, it's time to, you know what, or get off the pot. Yep. Sincerely, 14 fan bases tired of being jerked around. USA Today's Dan Wolken quoted it and said, Or what if the Big Ten Presidents are trying to carefully and thoughtfully process all of the information they've received before making a very big decision? To which Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic replied, that's just too reasonable. Both of them, you know, I'm, I'm, not as, I'm not as big a hater as you two are. But in all sincerity, shut up. 
Just shut shut your mouth. Actually, go find another job. Nicole Auerbach is actually pretty good as a reporter. Great reporter. Great writer. But they have carried, they've carried the water for the Big Ten on this one. And now they're finding out they were carrying something else. They haven't been carrying the water. They've been supporting it because it lines up with their own personal political beliefs. That's what they've been doing. Isn't that what carrying the water is? Uh, I'm gonna I mean, su- I'm gonna support go this alternate- person's point of view because they agree with me. So yeah, that's that. That to me is carrying the water. Yeah, some uh, fair enough. I mean, whatever, potato, potato. But nevertheless, agree. Yeah, um, I was having a conversation with somebody earlier today, and it's the whole sports writers are cheering against the season versus cheering for a season, whatever, and. You know what? If you want to say I've been cheering for a season, sign me up. I have been cheering for a season. I will raise both hands and say guilty as charged. And I'm curious how anybody who does this for a living and gets paid to do it cannot wrap their mind around the idea that without sports we don't have jobs. Maybe... Maybe Dan Wolkin's a trust fund baby, and he doesn't need to work for a living. That's the case. Good for him. Good for him. But just the blatant. He's a a Schmedium t-shirt model. (sighs) Okay. Um, She's getting all worked up. Don't even get worked up, Richard. We won. It's just so predictable. It's so predictable. What, what has happened? The, the complete, but the, it's the root of the problem that you see nationally. Even David Shaw did it. You remember he said that he doesn't recruit in the South because he can't get players that are smart enough to get into Stanford, even though 25% of Stanford University classifies themselves as from the South. But anyway, that's the kind of stuff that you see all the time. It's just, oh, the South is corrupt and backwards and stupid. The Big Ten is smart and reasonable and looking out for player safety. Oh, the South is corrupt and stupid. And now look. That, that's what frustrates the, the, the crap out of me. Is these people with these national platforms just finger point and, and talk down to, in such a condescending tone, to the South. When the South probably writes their paychecks, number one, because we do have a very passionate group of people about sports, but implying that it's the Big Ten that is being reasonable and considering the options on a difficult decision, and say it, that implies that the SEC did not, that Greg Sankey's a stupid person, or politically motivated, or not pragmatic, and very smart. Even though I disagree with the flag thing, that's a very intelligent man who surrounded himself with very intelligent people and made a difficult decision that was best for everyone based on medical advice and doctors and everything else. And implying that they didn't do that is disingenuous and unbecoming of somebody that has a massive platform that covers college football. It frustrates me because this the, the condescending tone towards people from the South that you get from people like this and they have yeah. the platform. Um, I tell you what, 
I know Greg Sankey has his detractors. I, I get that. And there are a lot of Ole Miss fans that are not fans of Greg Sankey and other schools as well. He could teach a master class or master's class on the way the Southeastern Conference has handled the last six months. Patience is a virtue. They have nailed it because they have been willing to be patient and patient and patient and patient and keep being patient, and it's going to get us a week and a half from now to the starting line of SEC football. And I'm I'm a whole lot closer to the point than I've ever been. Certainly, I, I say ever. I'm closer to the point than I've been really at any point in the last couple of months in not only believing that we're going to play, which I never completely abandoned hope on that, but believing that we're going to play 10 games. It may be a little rocky. It may be a little bumpy. But I think the likelihood that they play 10 is far more, you know, barring something crazy happening, I think that's far more likely than they play four and have to shut it down. And it's because they've been patient and they've gone about it in a very systematic way. When we come back, it'll be uh, just a few minutes late, but we will give you the college football fix. Some interesting news out of Starkville over the weekend. We'll get to that next. Go ahead and jump. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. We paused it for one segment. Time right now for the college football fix. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com to find out about all that's going on at Ford. It is truck month. That means great savings and your chance to get behind the wheel of F-Series. 43 years is the best-selling truck in America, particularly the F-150. Or maybe need something a little bit bigger. Maybe it's Super Duty, or maybe something a little bit smaller, but still capable. Maybe you want to get behind the wheel of a Ford Ranger. You can do that all at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Mike Leach has named a starting quarterback. To the shock of absolutely no one, K.J. Costello, transfer from Stanford, will be the signal caller from the Bulldogs. That, that's basically what he said, yeah. He said that they had a game today, it would have been K.J. Costello. I, I, nothing's official yet, but yes, I, that's, that's where we're going. I mean... Forgive me for reading between the lines. <laughs> I'm just saying, let's just, let's, let's, we want to be honest, fair and balanced reporting. Yes, that uh, is going to be a starting quarterback, so it's not it's not like Richard's getting ahead of himself or anything. Well, if nobody's broken the news just yet, here uh, here's some breaking news. Sources say that KJ Costello is going to start for Mississippi State against LSU. Those are good sources too, unlike some people's sources. <laughs> That's not the interesting part, though. New. No. The, the interesting part is Mike Leach announcing that Garrett Schrader is going to go with a position change. And, hey, Dad, if he, if the hands are okay and he is able to pick up on some of the more intricate parts of route running, I love this idea. 
of sticking yeah. Garrett Schrader in the slot. Big target. Great with the ball in his hands in the open field. Powerful runner. Got to be able to catch if he's going to play receiver. Yeah. Tell me more. I mean, definitely got the athleticism, the physicality for it. State has got some interesting guys at wide receiver this year. They've, they've, they've got some big dudes out there. Now, part of yeah. that is because the tight end position doesn't exist anymore. So you've got guys who were 6'4 and 6'5 playing tight end. They're technically now wide receivers. But those guys in the slot can present some matchup issues you know, when you think about a nickelback, you think about a third corner who's usually five nine and one seventy five. And can I put a guy like Garrett Schrader at six foot three, six foot four, two hundred and twenty five, two hundred and thirty pounds out there and and let him run? It's interesting. What's more interesting to me is this: you know, if Schrader really wanted to go, he could just go right now, just get in the portal. And you know, I don't, I want to be a quarterback, and I'm not going to get a chance here. So I don't know this is a permanent move. I don't know what's going to happen next spring. I, I don't know any of that. But I'm, I'm find it, you know. Uh, I guess I'm going to be optimistic about Trader's long-term future at Mississippi State to stay if he's willing to make this this move because if he's successful at it, he'll he'll definitely would want to stick with it. And then if that's the case, what better spot for a wide receiver than a Mike Leach offense? So it's an interesting move, and I, I, I I'm interested to see him. It's not just a novelty either. It's not just you know oh they'll set up some trick plays. He's doing well in pra- from what you're hearing from practice. He's he's catching the ball. He 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 looks the part. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being you, Brian Haydad, and 10 being Usain Bolt, how would you grade... <laughs> what a wide gap. Man. I understand. I, I did that intentionally. How would you grade Garrett Schrader as an athlete? Man, yeah, I was a former all-district tackle. Um, he, he, I mean, he's, former I mean, is the operative word there. Yeah. I mean, Usain Bolt is a ridiculous athlete. Doesn't he's a really good athlete? He's higher. He's he's in the higher range on that scale. He can run. He can jump. He's, uh, okay, he's a okay. strong uh, let, kid. Let me back up. Let me, let me back yeah. up. Then. Let, let, let's make it make a little more sense. I'm kind of trying to be funny there. Yeah. On a scale of average college football player at the Division One level mm-hmm. to guy that is ready to make the jump to the NFL yeah. at a skill position. Where would you grade Garrett Schrader, one to ten on athletic ability? Just on athletic ability, he's probably a seven or an eight. I mean, he, he's a good athlete. Uh, okay. you, you saw how tough he was. He got launched ten feet in the air, fell down, and got right back up. Uh, last, that was actually uh, a year ago today, uh, per the Twitter. Um, mm. I mean, he's a tough runner. Uh, I, I I don't have any. You know, I think he's he's a physical player. I think he'll be a good blocker when that when the time comes for that. I just need to see his hands. You know, I need to see him catch a couple of passes and run some routes to see what kind of receiver he can be. But as far as being an athlete, he's fine. All right, th- there's a reason I asked that question, and and I want you to tell me good comp, bad comp. You're crazy, Richard. I'm thinking about Matt Jones, who played quarterback yes. at Arkansas, That's- and then made the transition in the National Football League to wide receiver with the Jaguars. The only difference it, there is Matt Jones had elite speed. He's a four-three kind of guy. He was just a long strider. I don't think Schrader has that kind of speed. Honestly, at the next level, Schrader is probably more of a tight end. There's just no tight ends in this uh, in this offense. Okay. But but I mean, same thing that's happening with Tommy Stevens right now with the Saints. I mean, they got him listed as a tight end. So they yeah, cut him too, I, didn't they? He's on the practice. He's squad. on the practice squad. Okay. So. But, yeah, there's there's an opportunity for him. I think Alabama, his senior year of high school, offered him as a receiver. I okay. didn't want him as a quarterback, but I think the potential is there. 
But, you know, this the other thing to remember, this guy is technically, you know, his, his second freshman year coming up. Uh, you know, so he's got he's got a lot of development to do, but he's got time to do it in if he decides to stick this stick at this position. And reading between the lines, that means the backup quarterback is it's Will Rogers. Yeah, he he's said it two. when he named his starter the other day. Yeah, Will oh, he Rogers did say Will Rogers is the backup. Yes, yeah. he did. And, and I don't know what that would if mean. if we played Let's, a game today, yeah, hypothetically, yeah. and whatnot. <laughs> I don't know that would what that would mean if. They both got hurt. If Costello and Rogers got hurt, would they move Schrader back or would they just go with Jalen Maiden? I don't know the answer to that. It seems like if nothing else, Schrader would have to go back and be the emergency, the number four guy at that point. But I think I think right now the QB depth chart is Costello, Rogers, Maiden, and Schrader is sort of the emergency guy. Okay. So interesting news out of Starkville. Uh, interesting news here out of Oxford as well. Uh, Lane Kiffin said earlier today that his team had its first week with zero positive cases of COVID-19 on the roster during its last round of testing. And other than a couple of players who are still in quarantine, Kiffin said his team is almost all the way back from a spike of COVID-19 that has limited the team in practice for almost a full month. The quote from Lane Kiffin was, that was great. Really got to give a lot of credit to the kids for that. For a time that around them, a lot of college kids are getting it, our kids need to continue to do a good job with that. So now that you are 12 days from game day, and you've got, what, four, probably nine practices remaining, Ole Miss as close to full strength as it has been really at any point since they have officially started kind of the camp, the preseason practice leading up to the start of the regular season, and for a team that probably is going to have some depth issues along the way, I think pretty big deal going into your season opener. Yeah, they needed that. I mean, it was almost 30 guys uh, that could not practice at one point because of contact tracing and, and stuff like that. So it's a really significant deal. And stating the obvious, if they would have had any positives in this round, uh, those guys aren't playing against Florida. We are past the point now to where if you get a positive test, you're not playing in two I weeks. T- I thought they had moved it to 10. The CDC did, but the SEC still has. So the NFL has gone to 10 days? I believe so, yes. Okay. Uh, and hmm. in the NFL, you can test out of quarantine, too. I mean, if Cam Newton, for example, tested positive and a week later put together a couple of negatives, Cam Newton's going back on the field. So it's a little bit different there, but... Yeah, they were past that point. I've seen multiple programs. I think Eli Drinkwood said the same thing. He said it's good that that we haven't had anybody new because they're not playing if we did. So that's a really significant deal. And just another example of how it can be done. Campus is open, relatively speaking. Town is open, relatively speaking. You had an initial spike on campus, even though nobody really got sick, but you had a lot of positives. They weathered the storm. And back to the thing earlier about Greg Sankey, the SEC looks great starting when they did because everybody had an initial spike all over campuses. Those have kind of calmed down a little bit, and now you're about to have a bunch of healthy football teams. Pretty fantastic news. Pretty uh, fantastic news. Last um, three days of new positive COVID case reporting in Mississippi, three days ago, 445. Yesterday, 254. Today, 145. Um, those death numbers still make you cringe. Those are tough to uh, to see that. 
you know, since the uh, the day last week, early in the week, where we saw zero deaths, um, it's been double digits every day since then. But in terms of new cases, and, and yes, I know some of those are, are being backdated. Some people are saying some of that even happened in the month of July. I understand it doesn't make it any less tragic. Um, and certainly not making light of, uh, of any of this. Uh, and then now you have this new wave, once again, of a, uh, of a hurricane approaching the Gulf Coast uh, that looks like it's going to affect the southern part of the state of Mississippi. So, heads up. 2020 is the gift that keeps on giving, but at least we've finally got some good news as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be right back. Hey, little, um, the, the whole quarantine thing in the SEC got official word. The SEC did adopt the 10-day quarantine good. for a positive test. Good. 14-day quarantine is still in place for close contact. Just saying that those are the rules that are in place. I'm not asking to interpret them or whatever. I'm not a hundred percent sure that I understand that. I mean, if I'm, if I'm understanding that correctly, that means if you are in close contact with someone who tests positive, you have to quarantine for 14 days. So it's even if you never have a, positive test so it's better to get it <laughs> i guess in that sense if you yes. come into close contact with somebody you might as well be like hey man just come breathe next to me let me get it i'll be able to play faster would you kiss me please <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh that doesn't make any sense no but uh i, I tend to agree with you but uh, i'm certainly not the one making the rules but those are the rules that are currently in place Here's the crazy thing. There are a whole bunch of people that have come into close contact with people who have COVID-19 who don't ever know it on either side, know that they've got it or know that they came into contact with somebody that's got it. But there is a um, there is an effort that is going on to also reduce that quarantine period for close contact to 10 days. But that has not yet been approved. wonder if they've also tackled the testing out of quarantine thing. I don't know. For a potential false positive. I don't know. Hey, this would have gone into the uh, winners and losers category earlier. Did you guys see this highlight? This would be a winner. Hillcrest High School in Alabama. Oh, yeah, this yeah, was, yeah. Um, A nine lateral play to score the winning touchdown as time expired down 30-28 to 28 from their own 41-yard line with 2.9 seconds to play. Did you watch it with volume? Not the first time. <laughs> I didn't realize it had volume, and then I did, and uh, you can't unwatch it. <laughs> what are we doing? And then two seconds later, he breaks it off for a score. I love it. How was um? How was the, gr- the game, how was Karen? Steak and eggs yesterday. Did that end up happening? No, no, wife, uh, not feeling well. Not Corona, but. Uh, 
decided to do that next week. And I went and had uh, oysters. So ended up good for me. Hey, Dad, uh, you did burn-ins, is that right? I did. They were fantastic. Turned out great? Oh, yeah. Very good. Very good. We did um, burgers last night. I think that was the only grill activity at my house this weekend. So, some uh, the Wagyu burgers, those are fantastic. Oh, yeah. Whew, great flavor. Um, all right, so... The NFL rundown, and and I get that there are a lot of people who are like, I'm out on the NFL, I'm out on the NFL. And that's fine if you are. No judgment whatsoever. you got to make your own decisions. But I'm not out on the NFL. And one of the things that stuck out to me yesterday, and Chris Collinsworth pointed this out a couple of times last night, you know, limited hitting, limited practice, no OTAs, no rookie training camps. I thought the tackling... And the hitting was really, really good yesterday. Quality of play was was fine. I didn't notice much of a drop-off at all, even. I mean, it felt like typical NFL football to me. Let's walk through the games from yesterday. Seahawks beat the Falcons 38-25, kind of back and forth. It was close at the half. Seahawks blew it open in the third quarter and then had enough of a cushion that they were able to hang on for the 13-point win. Matt Ryan, a couple of touchdown passes, 450 yards. We talked about DK Metcalf earlier, had the four catches, uh, including a, uh, a touchdown. Really not a shocking result there. No. Bills beat the Jets 27 to nothing, and they jumped out to a 21 nothing lead in the game. Josh Allen, how about 46 pass attempts for Josh Allen yesterday? 312 yards, two touchdowns, but got to protect the football, big man. Two fumbles in the game that he lost yesterday. Yeah, he's a when good. When they play athlete. a real NFL team, that'll come back to bite him. Yeah, the Jets stink out loud, and Le'Veon Bell got hurt. Yes, I like stink and on is, ice. That's a better one for me. Whatever works for you, you do you. Um, Le'Veon Bell out at least a couple of weeks, but they don't know right now. Right, I think it's the last thing I saw. Bears 27-23, 21 fourth-quarter points for the Chicago Bears. They were down 23-6. to Outscore the Lions 21-0 in the fourth quarter. That stings. Wouldn't have mattered if DeAndre Swift can catch a football. That's why you'd trade up to draft a Mitch Jabriski. Difference maker. Do what you got to do. What do you have? Uh, three touchdown passes yesterday. Yeah, he played all right. Not bad. Uh, Packers beat the Vikings forty three thirty four. Aaron Rodgers had four touchdown passes, threw for three sixty four. If you got him on your fantasy team, you are probably happy. Uh, debut for Cam Newton as the Patriots win twenty one to eleven. Cam Newton said, uh, this is what football looks like again in my mind. He had 15 carries for 75 yards and a couple of touchdowns on the ground through the air, 15 of 19, 155, was not intercepted in the game. Uh, Calling it efficient feels like it would be, um, he was good yesterday. Arm looks healthy. Just good. Belichick and Cam Newton running the Mullen offense to another Super Bowl is going to make me laugh really hard if it happens. I really can't believe the NFL messed around and let New England get Cam Newton for next to it's nothing. It's crazy. It's crazy. 
And he looked really good. Running the football great. well. He's fun to watch, man. When he's healthy, people don't give him enough credit. I certainly understand why, because he played through injuries in his last couple of years in Charlotte were not great. But when he's healthy, when he's 100%, he's one of the more fun guys in the league to watch. Maybe the biggest surprise of yesterday to me was the Washington football team coming from 17 down, scoring 27 unanswered to beat Philadelphia by 10 yesterday. That's a bad loss for Philly. Yeah, winner uh, should have been Ron Rivera. Uh, The man has cancer, was getting an IV at halftime, and coached to a win yesterday. That's awesome. That's a tough SOB right there. And and said after it was over, said I gave my guys a plan on how we could win this football game, and they followed the plan to an exact T. He's a good football coach. Yeah. Just a a really good football coach. Riverboat Ron, love him. Raiders beat the uh, Panthers 34-30. Panthers a little more impressive maybe than I anticipated. Uh, Christian McCaffrey kind of fills up the stat column, 23 carries, 96 yards, couple of touchdowns on the ground, three catches, 38 yards. Teddy Bridgewater, in his debut with the Panthers, goes 22 of 34, 270, and a touchdown. Uh, Derek uh, Carr, okay numbers, had a touchdown, not intercepted. Josh Jacobs, the former Alabama running back, three touchdowns on the ground yesterday. Good win for the Raiders on the road. Yeah, they look pretty good. And next week, uh, they get the Saints for the uh, first ever home game in the, uh, the what is it, the Roomba, the Death Star, whatever the you Roomba. want to call it. <laughs> How about Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals? That's, good, that's a good team, but not bad. 24 to 20, they beat a Super Bowl participant, the NFC's Super Bowl representative last year, San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo had a couple of touchdown passes for the Niners. Kyler Murray goes 26 of 40 for 230. Touchdown and a pick. Also had 13 carries for 91 yards. He's so good in the open field. So good. Did you see the uh, the Larry Fitzgerald hustle play? Every high school coach in the country will be showing that film. It's the difference in getting the field goal off and not. Yeah, it is. It is. For those who didn't see it, they completed a short pass as time was running out. Fitzgerald was near it. He grabs the ball, sprints to the middle of the field to spot the ball. They get lined up and are able to spike it, and they get the field goal. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. DeAndre Hopkins made the catch. Yeah. Fitzgerald was like yelling at him as he was running at him. Hopkins knew what he was talking about, handed him the ball, flips it to an official who quickly spots it. They spike it. Everybody got lined up properly. I mean, it was absolutely textbook. DeAndre Hopkins, not a bad debut. Uh, set a record for a debut for, was it a, an Arizona receiver? 14 yeah. catches, 151 yards. And he just got a new deal, too. So a lot of money flying around the NFL mm-hmm. this week. I saw somebody say that uh, Kyler Murray looks like a four-year-old that took something he's not supposed to have, and he's running around the house trying to escape mom. And mom cannot catch him. <laughs> Rams beat the uh, Cowboys 20-17 to last night. Jared Goff, kind of a boring style passing game, but it was effective as the uh, Rams christened SoFi Stadium with a home team win. Sports Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.